This is Paui, and you're listening to Rappler on Kumu. We are rolling out a number of shows to stream regularly on Kumu, from Inside the Industry, to Rappler Live Jam, to TechRap's new gaming show, Level 1. You can watch all of these live if you follow us on our Kumu handle, Rappler.com. That's Rappler, D-O-T-C-O-M, spelled out. Now, what you're about to hear is a live recording of our latest Inside the Industry episode. So if you love the show and you want to see it live and maybe join in the conversation, we're on Kumu every other week. And of course, our edited podcasts always come out every Hustle Monday to help you start your week with a little motivation. Hope you enjoy. You're listening to Hustle's Inside the Industry, where we talk to professionals and find out how they got here, why they're doing what they do, and what it takes to do it. This is Paui, and joining us today, we have someone quite unique to the Inside the Industry roster. Christian Kabuay is an artist, calligrapher, and advocate of these indigenous uh, pre-Filipino scripts and traditions, and he's a regular here on Kumu. So again, please welcome Christian Kabuay. Hello. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. I must say that when you said uh, pre-Philippine, you know, it's like hearing, I guess, the media, you know, say that it, it's an apex because I remember <laughs> when I coined that term uh, almost 10 years ago. And, you know, it's caught on in like uh, regular conversations and, and even academics. So uh, I, I find it uh, fulfilling. It's It's working, dude. You know, working in the media, we have to be very... Uh, delicate with with our semantics and I, there's so much power right yeah definitely because prior to that i used to say and my colleagues would say you know, pre-colonial pre-hispanic but people would just kind of ignore it because it didn't really jolt them but when i said pre-filipino pre-philippines <laughs> it was like oh they were shocked yeah the next question is a, uh, what do you mean or who were we before and I, you know, up to now, still don't really have that answer. It's not a simple, um, you know, response, but let's talk about it and let's have that conversation. And that's where, you know, you get the value. And to me, having a, uh, a conversation is much more than just having a black and white answer. There's a, a Confucius um, saying that goes okay. something like, I'm not here to um, give you all the answers. I'm only here to understand the questions. Right. I, actually, it's it's funny you brought up Confucius. I was going to say um, perhaps even like a Socratic method, right? Answering the question with another question. Um, just off the bat, Christian, I also hear that you've published some books or you've at least written some. Yeah, I've published, um, I think, six books now. Um, wow. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. The first book I published wasn't that good. You know, for but for me, if you're talking about hustle, you know, you put it out there, whether it's good or not. And, you know, I've always been a fan of the saying that uh, perfection is the enemy of progress. Right. So the very first book that I published in 2009, it was just a copy and paste from my blog, which I know has bad grammar, bad spelling mistakes, but it was something out there that wasn't. And that was uh, an introduction to by buy-in. And up to now, you know, it's still on Amazon. I still sell it. Um, it's due for an update, but you know, that's kind of uh, always been my motto. If if you see a hole, try to fill it, you know, some way. Mm. And mm. those books is one way to do that because I've always been in a digital space, um, and books is kind of that bridge to that uh, organic physical space. 
you know, there's like a confluence of within that answer alone, confluence of like three different eras. Uh, you have obviously the pre-colonial, right? Just to use a, a synonym, a pre, pre-Philippine, the scripts itself, which is the content. And then you have like uh, print, right? You have books. And then now we're here, you said you're mostly in the digital space. Now we're here on Kumu talking about it. So it's crazy. You're, it's almost like you're channeling three different eras of expression at the same time. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I've been in, uh, you know, VR for the last um, last couple of years, um, trying to figure out um, what the what the value is in writing the script in in virtual spaces. Um, and to get technical, you know, you could measure the velocity of your handwriting, and then maybe that will right. give us insight to how our ancestors wrote it. Um, digital spaces could mean um, if you follow me on Instagram, you can see um, the Instagram filters that I created. Um, so it's like you said, it's, it's bridging these, you know, analog and digital. And, you know, that's kind of, uh, been a motto of mine from art to music to, um, education and advocacy. So anyway, Christian, it seems like you have like such a vast background. So I'll, I'll let you decide where to start, but let's just say, how did you even get into, uh, your advocacy, right? And, and even your interest in by buy-in, what was your prior, maybe like educational background? And what was like that, like inciting incident, uh, where it all like sparked? So there was no formal education. In fact, um, I was a horrible student. I barely graduated high school. Um, I didn't like school, you know, to be honest. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the work that I do is kind of a testament that, you know, you could figure things out. So if there's any uh, young people kind of um, trying to navigate, you know, these crossroads and, you know, or the pressure from your parents to do something that you don't want to do, um, I, I know that feeling, especially a, um, a common thread amongst the diaspora and immigrant communities. So um, for me, it started out, you know, I've always been an artist, you know, got into graffiti when I was younger, you know, doing vandalism. And but then the reason why I got into art in the first place, you know, as all of us were artists, right? When we were a kid, we start off as an artist. And as we get older, it gets taken out of us when we have to start adulting and memorize math and all these other things. <laughs> and then the art gets stripped away from us. But to me, when the art is stripped away from you, the creativity, the imagination, the humanity gets stripped away from you little by little. And so for me, I always try to keep a piece of that. When I discovered, when I didn't discover it, when I found the script, you know, I was just looking through a, a history book and I was reading about the Philippines and I saw what looked like to me at the time was a capital I, but it was a Katipunan flag. And mm, when I yeah. learned that it was our old writing system, um, then that's where I got interested in it. And from then there was, you know, been a, uh, an obsession, which ultimately, you know, became a jump off to other things that I'm doing now. I think it's very much what you said, like a collective experience that, that we were all like at a pretty young age, kind of already pretty jaded at the, uh, educational system. And I think because it's like this lump sum thing that's already prescribed and what it seems to me is, um, it wasn't until you found that one thing that truly like struck a note with you uh, that propelled you forward. So how did you go about uh, scratching that itch? 
what resources were even at your your disposal? Like you were living in in the states already at that time. It was pre-internet. You know, I was young and dumb, so I didn't really know that much.、Um, but after high school,、uh, I went to the Philippines for vacation. Um, af- right after, you know, to find yourself and <laughs> you know take a break,、yeah. um, you know th- the usual, you know, if you're privileged enough to do it.、Um, but I ended up staying in the Philippines for about ten years. Wow! So、okay. that is kind of the pivotal <laughs> moment.、Um, and you know what? What I experience, you know, there being a Phil Am and going through the whole.、Um, Um, ideas of、uh, being a, 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 I guess, a foreigner in your own country,、um, learning the language, learning the culture, or even in my head at that time, being a what I call like a balakiabang.、Mm. Um, you know, you you, you learn、that. a lot. And, yeah. And I, and I think that you know what 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 ultimately、um, you know made me realize、um, to. Get into the culture was acknowledging that there was something、uh, missing, and、um, I didn't realize that until I left again. So after, after I、um, uh, left the Philippines, you know, I graduated college,、mm-hmm. um, and obviously because I'm a Philam, you know, people would say you should work at a call center. <laughs> Maybe you could be a manager. You know, you sound like a white guy. You could, you know, you should work. You know, I said, but in my head, I was no. I'm not gonna. I don't want to do that. You know, I, I was nyabang、uh, ako, so I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm too good to work at a call center. I'll go back to the U.S. and I'll figure something out, or I'll teach these Philams how to be more Filipino. But at the time, my parents were living outside San Francisco, and the only job. Guess the only job I could get when I moved back to the U.S. Call center, correct? Really? Correct. Okay. So okay. you know, I left the Philippines to escape the call center industry,、yeah. to only come back to the U.S. to work at a call center to get yelled at by rich people because、oh、their sofa、gosh. was late, making nothing. So I was depressed and you know all of that stuff, and so I went back to artwork to kind of、uh, you know relax because working at a call center is difficult. Um, and so from then on,、uh, I thought that okay, let me、uh, let me get a tattoo. So I talked to a tattoo artist, and we talked about the script. And he suggested that I post some information online. So I did that on Friendster, on Multiply,、nice. on MySpace. Throwback, and that's kind of where it started. From then on, I realized that there's value because then people they wouldn't just ask me, "Can you translate my last name?" They would tell me a backstory. They would tell me that、um, uh, my grandfather was Filipino. I never knew anything about him.、Um, can you help me research? You know、wow. who I am or where my family's from, or it could be、um, somebody that's in their forties and they have young kids. They don't know anything, but they want to teach their kids something that's visual from our culture. So I got all these backstories, and I started to learn that it is beyond the script. It's beyond the. The the pangpogi points, right? You know, you, you start off getting things that are cosmetic, but then a small percentage of those people go in deeper to education, to practice, and to advocacy. Speaking of value, right? Obviously,、uh, this brought a lot of cultural value. But I'm curious, at which point did you maybe start feeling that you could make somewhat of a living out of this? At that time, when I was uh, posting. Um, 
people then would, would email me because um, what I did was um, there wasn't any action if people were on Multiply back then or Friendster, if they were on those social media networks back then. It was mainly about just posting pictures. There wasn't any right. or much deep discussion. Those there were, were, there like were like the comments, right? I, I, there, were there comments? Yeah. I, I forget. Okay. <laughs> there were some, but not not too many. Um, people weren't really conditioned to argue yet on the internet, on, on social media. But um, so what I did was I taught myself how to make websites. Um, so I created a website called PinoyTattoos.com, and I uploaded the photo of my tattoo. And then people started contacting me and then telling me those stories that I told you. I would get maybe two, three, four, five a week. And I would write it up or draw it and then send it to them. Um, then because I wasn't making much money in the uh, the call center at that time, then I decided, what if I do an experiment? Um, and I went on Google how to add a PayPal uh, button <laughs> on my website. Yeah. And so, you know, I copied the that code. That was a lot of work back in. then. And <laughs> It was. It was definitely There's no Shopify, HTML you know? and all of that. So I had to learn how to do that. And to my surprise, when I woke up, I had $5 in my PayPal. And that's when I realized that, oh, okay, there's value in this. You know, it's little. And from then on, it was just an iteration. And people would ask, do you have this on a T-shirt? And so it just kind of piled on from there. Fast forward all the way to to now. And how has Kumu come into the picture right you know you seem to be a man of many mediums i think that's definitely like a lesson that a lot of people can take away especially those in the more creative endeavors but how has kumu specifically come into the picture what do you do here and uh what do you stream i i do various things uh you know i've i've painted live on kumu that was probably the first things i did in the early days in like early 2018 Mm -hmm. um then when I learned OBS, uh, you know, I started to do more experiments like uh, directly connecting my iPad or doing uh, green screens, uh, mixing in uh, music, multimedia, trying to produce a, you know, a virtual space. Um, but lately for the past uh, six months, you know, I've been uh, streaming mainly um, uh, music for a film that I'm working on um, because okay. of COVID. You know, I wasn't able to finish it. So um, had to put the shooting on on pause, but I thought that what if I work on it in reverse and do the film score before the shooting is done or even before the editing is done? Interesting. And then maybe I edit like a music video. Um, so that was kind of my uh, thought process there. So right now, lately, um, I've been doing a lot of um, uh, music streaming as I work on the soundtrack. You know, normally pre-COVID, and and if Christian were here in the Philippines, he'd be coming into the studio at Rappler. We'd be sitting down. We'd be having this conversation. Um, but obviously, uh, this has like uh, broken those barriers. Um, and likewise, I guess the content you're putting out, Christian, which is super interesting, I think normally for your audience, they're used to seeing the end product, right? But now it's like, wow, they can they can almost be with you in the studio a lot of the artwork that i do now because i have limited space um, i'm not in studio you know i use uh i use my ipad to create like a mix of um digital and analog work this is a piece that i did last year which is uh printed you know on canvas but then i turn these into digital spaces so like uh for example um like on instagram i'll use a filter if you have a print of one of my pieces and you put the Instagram filter on it, it'll t- 
it'll become alive. That's like so an AR that's kind of the, thing. the work I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and yeah. and what about this film? You know, I'm I'm super curious. I I mainly come from a, from a film background as well. The title of my upcoming film is called uh, Sulat ng Malansang Isda, and it is a a sort of a um um a, a twist on the the famous supposedly Jose Rizal saying um you could look that up if you're not familiar sure. with it but um it started out maybe about almost 10 years ago um i i went to the philippines to find um who is still uh using baybayin or these old writing systems um and i just intentionally it was just supposed to be for my blog but I had this idea. I had so much content, and I thought that maybe I could make it into a mini doc, and it just yeah. turned into this um, rabbit hole. I had to then interview my parents and my family and myself ultimately to look for that story. And as I started to explore, it's a common story that you know folks can all relate to. And you know, I I was actually just typing this down in in my notes. It reminds me of the saying that I I came across uh, recently, which is basically um, to write a book, you've got to be the book first. And I think that's what you're doing. And mm -hmm. I think it's it's so emblematic of not even just the artistic process, but the creative entrepreneurial process, which is um, you know, we as creative people, we as artists, we're just constantly moving, we're constantly doing. And there's already inherent value in that because uh, maybe if you capture that movement, that also becomes uh, something that can be consumed, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, it, it it could get annoying too, you know, as well, where everything is, 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 is uh, <laughs> a product, right? And sometimes I catch myself I look at myself in the mirror. Like, what are you doing? You know, can't you just can't you just live or enjoy the moment? Why do you have to think of a product or some stupid angle that you're gonna stream on Kumu? You know, yeah. Just just enjoy the moment. Uh, but I think that's inherent as uh, whether you're creative, you're thinking of like, oh, what if I release this or what if I you know stream this? Um, so it it is kind of a balance. But I, I do think that uh, you know it it is it is a challenge to be self aware. Um, uh, but sometimes you can be self-critical and, you know, that could be issues, you know, with, you know, your mental health as well. So yeah. you're going to have to try and figure that out. I don't have any gems for that, but I just yeah. know what works for me. What kind of artist isn't self-critical, right? And perhaps it's like that level of consciousness that, that it's almost like a side effect, right? Of, of your creative processes. If you weren't that introspective, you probably wouldn't be making such great work. Speaking of the current situation, it's affected everyone clearly. Um, and I'm just curious uh, how it affected you. How did you have to kind of like uh, adapt a bit and uh, and change your lifestyle to thrive during these times? It was, it was difficult because I would travel at least once a month. Uh, I remember it, we went on lockdown here in San Francisco, um, I think like March 10 or 12, uh, 12 mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. At first, what, what are those um, the, those emotions, you know, the seven stages like acceptance, yeah, yeah, grief? Yeah. Or, the, the different uh, stages yeah, of I went, grief. Yeah. yeah, I went through all of that in like two days. Oh, <laughs> so good for you. I went through all of that <laughs> and then I, I accepted it really fast. But then... After I accepted it, I made a plan. And the plan was, all right, this is, you know, I, I, I like to think of the future and all of these things. Um, and um, 
I thought about, all right, well then if this is, this is a world that, you know, I dreamed of as a kid. Um, so let me see what this new world can offer. And, you know, as everyone knows, we fast forwarded, you know, the, um, the, the online and the new work life, the new education within one year, the, the socio-political economic fallout. Right. So what I did was that, all right, let me do a challenge. Let me stream every day. Um, so I streamed like every day for three months. Um, wow. and so that was across yeah. Kumu, um, Instagram. I've done, I, I started, um, like these, uh, online conferences via zoom. Um, I tried out Twitch, tried out, you know, I learned all of that, you know, just by watching gamers and trying to figure things out. Um, and so that was kind of the first reaction, but I had to pivot my work. Um, yeah, from a business perspective too, because I've lost, you know, a lot of income. Um, so, you know, I created a lot of, um, uh, you know, apparel clothing because, okay. um, that's what people want. Then I created like, uh, these miniature, um, art cards because people can't buy a big canvas, but they're stuck at home. They want a little piece of art, maybe at their desk. Right. So, I adapted to the times, um, but I was fortunate enough to, you know, get some bigger projects and uh, work with um, the community and different organizations that, you know, kept me afloat for the year. Let's expound on that a bit because I feel like, uh, you know, we didn't really get to, let's say pre-pandemic, you talked about you're traveling a lot. Like, you know, what was the level of interest, especially over there, right, in, in the U.S. with these Filipino traditions? And um, so pre-pandemic, and then, you know, now current situation, how have those translated to the digital medium? It's always a guess, um, you know, but I, I've done events, you know, for, for you know, many years, um, you know, here in San Francisco. So every time I know I have an event, you know, I know how much uh, revenue or how much interest there would be. And then, you know, how that would maybe expand into, you know, a, a lecture, you know, in a different um, school or or a business um I, I think one of the things that uh, we lack i lack and i guess the community lacks as a whole is we don't have much data around our cultural practices um you know maybe that's something you know i've talked to it with um the with Therese from manila collectible um mm -hmm. you know maybe it's something that you know uh ncca or whatever can can help fund but we don't know um like with our disappearing practices like what is either a the the number of practitioners um and then from you know like what rappler does with the mood meter you know what is the mm -hmm. sentiment around those because yeah. all it is is just a guess like the question that you asked i get it a lot like oh how many people actually know by buying how many people actually know how but and a lot of it is just an educated guess but wow. for me I, I like to have to make decisions based on data and emotion but right now it's mainly emotion and you know just what do you see but we want to avoid that you know confirmation bias yeah and it, and it can get addictive too and, and then it can become a crutch right and then and then you said expectations mm -hmm. and exactly it becomes this whole a feedback loop you mentioned like the the buzzword data and uh we know that you have a particular background in that uh, we kind of left off your background with the call centers like uh when did you accumulate like these like uh these like digital proficiencies again just like kids um you know if we're privileged enough uh video games video games yeah yes. <laughs> guess what guys it didn't rot my brain 
So all the parents saying video yeah. games will rot your brain wrong. Yeah. Many of us have made a career out of it. So, um, uh, I think that's where it started. You know, the fashion fascination with digital and technology is through, you know, Atari, Nintendo, PlayStation, Sega, Genesis, family computer, all of that. And then that translates into, you know, either artwork or maybe wanting to make your own games. Um, and so, but yeah, when I learned how to make websites that, uh, that kind of, changed the game for me because then mm. you know i learned e-commerce and i learned then i learned seo then i learned marketing i learned uh blogging publishing you know i've started and stopped multiple podcasts you know so um yeah social <laughs> media so it kind of all you know because now i guess uh you know like TikTok and snapchat and all of that you know up to now i find it amazing that some people still think it's it's a fad right right and you know, to me, it's a new literacy. If you're not literate in these technologies and, and just, a f you saw it now, right? For example, zoom, you see people, yeah. you know, they're stuck with a filter on their face or they're <laughs> walking around naked in the background. I don't know yeah, that yeah, their camera's yeah. still on. Exactly. See, because they're not literate in modern, uh, technology. And I, I don't even want to say modern. It's been around for a while. It, they just chose to ignore it, but this pandemic forced us to fast forward, you know, one, two years. And so for me, I would encourage people to learn technology because in my opinion, every single company is a tech company. You have to have a tech aspect. And I remember this because um, uh, I was, when I was living in the Philippines, I was working for a dot-com. Um, they're not around anymore. Um, they, we made websites. I was a project manager and I remember going to the Makati Business Club and telling them that, hey, you guys need um, you guys need websites because in the future, if you don't have a website, you won't exist. And they laughed at me. And I remember that I was pissed because they're like, what is this um, kid, fresh grad? No, he doesn't know anything, you know? So, um, but now we know that if you're not on the internet or have an online presence, then you're, you're gonna have a challenge. And the companies that survive this uh, this COVID situation, then they'll have a um, an analog, you know, traditional brick and mortar. But then, if they figure out the digital space, then they just have another um, uh, revenue stream. With that anecdote, fast forward to now, those those same people are probably scrambling to to get someone to manage their Facebook page. You know, so um, your quote about new literacy. You know, as a Rappler, we also emphasize uh, the media literacy, right? And uh, literacy in what you're consuming and what the words, uh, that is so important these days in an era where information is just vast and overflowing. Let's talk about the future now. We've got a couple questions left. Um, where do you think your little uh, niche that you've nicely like built for yourself where do you think that's headed in the future what opportunities do you see out there uh for filipino artists and advocates who are interested in kind of reviving these uh traditions for for me i, I look at it as a uh, as a a media platform and you know as i've i've kind of explored you know this work it can go into like you know publishing books can go into tv shows it can go into um, any any anything that you see now. You know is is not you know not out of the possibility. 
So I look at it as a platform to do other things. Cause to me, it's always, it's never been about the writing system. Maybe in the early days it was about the writing system, but it's not, it's about creating opportunities for, for people. And wow. that's just one Avenue. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, much like Kumu is a platform. And so the work that I, I do, it's a platform for others. Um, and I just need to figure out how to take myself out of the equation because as a cultural <laughs> practitioner, if I am the, the, the gatekeeper, then I'm not doing a good job. Oh man. I love that. I love that. Obviously it's like the artist versus the ego. Right. And it, it's so funny because it's the ego that, that puts you into it, but it's the constant battle uh, to get that out in order for it to, I guess, be fully realized. Right. Definitely. What's next for you personally? Like what projects are you looking forward to? So if it wasn't for uh, COVID, I would actually be there in Manila right now. Uh... Um, the plan was to uh, actually extend and make Manila uh, my base. Um, and so obviously that's been postponed. So maybe later this year maybe next year so we'll, we'll have to see but that is kind of like the the grand plan is to expand the work there and um it, it it'll be interesting because now as this you know phil am going there you know doing these cultural things yeah. I, i'm well aware of the 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 duality of that and <laughs> even you know some say the the hypocrisy the yeah. audacity but right? you've been through so, that <laughs> um i think it's interesting yeah mm -hmm. uh super looking forward to that we definitely gotta meet up when you're here we can have like a like a a more formal uh rappler hangout in the office you know once once this is all clear mm -hmm. with that christian any last bits of advice for anyone interested in any of the stuff you're into whether it's artistry history education explore uh if if you want to be you know uh um, an advocate for something, you know, it, it's fine. Uh, but I think that if most of us are going to be doing this solo, that's the reality. Unless you know you have a a way with people um, to join your, you know, your your army. Um, I think that that is ideal. But let's fa the face it: most artists are not good people. People, you know, and. <laughs> So I, I think you have you to figure out how to do things yourself, you know? So, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we're introverts, right? You know, and I had to get out of my shell. It took many years. So I think that uh, trying to figure out how to do things uh, yourself um, and how to scale, because, you know, what, while I appreciate the name of the podcast, uh, the hustle, my goal is to not hustle, right? You know, yes. I don't want to be 60 years old and talk about, Hey, want to check out my new business idea? You know, I want to hustle. It's like, at that time, I want to already be semi-retired. You know, I'll always be doing things. But I think that um, for me, yes, the goal is to not hustle or not hustle so hard, right? Because I think now, um, especially during lockdown, we came into this uh, idea that turn your passion into a business model. You got to do this and that. It's like, no, I just want to make, you know, I just want to make pottery for myself. You yeah. know, you don't have to monetize everything. And I think we've gone into that hustle culture sometimes too much um, that it has, it could ruin turning your passion into a business is a good way to ruin your passion. Amen to that. And, you know, and, and again, speaking of uh, right now in the current situation, like that kind of mentality can be very damaging um, and stressful because there's, there's, there clearly um, 
already certain things happening uh, in our lives that that are are worrisome enough. I'm I'm gonna sneak in a question, uh, not to open a whole can of worms. So let, let's keep keep this brief because this is a whole new dimension. What what do you think are maybe like uh, some of the opportunities with the NFT medium? And maybe uh, with some of uh, the stuff you're doing, or maybe by buying an NFTs. Uh, for for those who don't know, yeah, non fungible tokens, right? Just Google yes. that. Yes. So, yeah, Google it if if you don't know what it is. Um, but I, I, I experimented with NFTs. Obviously, mm. I didn't sell it. Um, usually, the ones that are selling are the people that already have a market, right? And I think that's a lesson where you know you have to work on whether it's you know your brand your network the people that support you so nurture that if you have a a good following and you provide value to people they'll support you with your nfts your t-shirts your artwork so whatever right. that is whatever it but is yeah. nft yeah nft definitely is is um going to be the the future you know i i definitely think that uh, Kumu should get into um, <laughs> NFTs, but not just like in the way where, you know, you sell a, you know, like a a, a, a Powy, you know, artwork, something right. like that. But I think there's a, a creative way that um, that they can do it. Um, you know, I have some ideas. So, you know. All right. All right. Yeah. Don't Definitely. don't share them yet. But uh, super look forward to it. I, I love your insight on that. And yes, it's it's just it's too new. Everyone uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see exactly where it's headed. But best believe uh, Christian's going to be ready for that. We're going to end things now with our play of the week. So we talked a lot about work. Now let's talk about play. Any fun activities or recommendations for our listeners to unwind from the busyness of business? So during uh the pandemic i've watched every single golden state warriors game <laughs> nice so i, yeah, I haven't near, done that in years you live near uh or is it oracle uh chase chase so i live near i live near there you know I, i've seen some basketball players that live around the neighborhood um but wow. you know that's what i kind of do to unwind um you know yell at the tv and uh <laughs> it, it, it's kind of a it's it, it that is the way i guess i um i I de-stress, but you know, in a way, it causes stress. But in, in a way, then in my the back of my head, then I think, okay, let me let me, you know, the Warriors, you know, they're a well well groomed organization, so there are some lessons on how they market their players and you know how they do their broadcasts. Absolutely, you know how they present. They have like the screen of fans in the background, so I think they're the only NBA team that does that. So, you know, looking at these things and being curious, um, I think is is a way to um, also sort of work while playing yeah yeah that's cool it's that observational uh mindset you know and and again uh you're you're kind of like a your te- your tech nerd side is showing a bit there too so i love it um for mine uh i'm gonna recommend a book uh, a book that's long been recommended to me uh to the point that it's become a little cliche because everyone who knows me uh, knows that I am a creature of habit, probably uh, much to my detriment. Um, so a lot of people have asked me, "Hey, Powie, have you read Atomic Habits uh, by James Clear? Have you have you read Atomic Habits, Christian?" Uh, no, I've heard of it. All right, yeah, same. I was like in the I've heard of it party. So here it is. I finally read it. So again, as the title implies, it's atomic, meaning like small, and the the idea is like you know one percent better every day. And that's actually what rang in my head, Christian, when you were talking about you wanted to like do one stream every day and it turned to three months, which basically means you did 
um, close to 100 streams, right? So that, that's very powerful already, uh, that small habit. And um, I tend to pride myself on having good habits, but, you know, just reading a book about it, um, dissecting kind of the psychology uh, behind what I do, it kind of helps me, like we said earlier, it becomes, uh, it helps you become more aware and thus you get to find out, you get to like then work on it and build it as a skill. So for example, one thing that I learned is having a visual tracker, uh, especially if when you're trying to have good habits. So for example, um, I've always been bad at math um, and don't judge me here, but every morning I just decided to do like math exercises, <laughs> you know, it's weird, but I'm like oh, wow. volunteering to like do school. So I, I do like literally just three. It's like so easy. I just do three math exercises. I, I have like a little workbook and I have a big stack of uh, colored pencils. And for every day in a row, I do that. I put a colored pencil in like my cup here on my desk to show how many days in a row that I did math exercises. And I think that really helps. It really motivates. Um, so yeah, highly recommend Atomic Habits. It's for fostering good habits and getting rid of bad ones. But anyway, that's it, Christian. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you. Salamat. How can people keep up with you and your work? Um, yeah, you can follow me on, on all social media uh, here in Kumu. Just look me up, Christian Kaboy. Um, you can uh, visit my website, kaboy.com. Um, I have links, articles, videos, uh, it's online store. And thank you out there for listening. If you haven't already, please stay tuned to Hustle Inside the Industry. We're on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple, where you can leave us a rating. That really helps. Um, but most of all, don't forget to hit that follow button. You say that the DOJ has a very clear concept of what a terrorist is, but it was also the DOJ who filed the prescription case. Well, I would like to think that that, would, that is a real, you know, that's a real lesson. Is there a risk, though, that we will never know the state of his health ever again? We can end up that way, in the same way that uh, the Supreme Court has rendered several constitutional provisions inert. How hopeful are you that this Supreme Court, under this administration, will exhibit a proactive attitude towards protecting human rights? What is before us is a Supreme Court that has overwhelmingly, for a few exceptions, one or two, in favor or on the side of the state power. A law that is not understood is a law that is easy to weaponize. I am Lian Buan, Rappler's Justice Reporter. Listen to Law of the Tertaland podcast, and together with leading lawyers of the country, let's unpack the pressing legal issues and the Duterte government.